Good morning. Hope you're doing well. Good to see you this weekend. I want to welcome the Mobile campus and Foley campus. And I want to say to all three campuses, you guys did an, just an incredible job this weekend um, distributing. I know it's before Christmas. It's a little hard to get the Mary into Thanksgiving or Merry Christmas, but they worked it out. They, they made up words, so it, it worked out well. Uh, so thank you for that. Let, let me encourage you also, uh, 3,000 bikes, 1,800 of those have already been committed by Christmas that you will, you will buy one or whatever you committed to. So there are 1,200 bikes yet to be purchased, to be committed. So if you'll continue to do that, a lot of the families took the bikes home. They're going to put them up for Christmas. So on Christmas Day, the children will get those bikes. So encourage you to do that and be part of that, especially if you have a business or if you work for a business, get these guys to and be involved with this. We want this to, to take care of itself. And we're really, really excited about how it all went off. You know, we, we built 3,000 bikes in 17 hours, which was a record. Uh, it would take me an hour, probably 17 hours to build one bike, but it took them 17, and all of you guys. And then the distribution from all the different campuses, you know, a three, three-and-a-half-hour window at each campus, and it, it was done. It's just incredible how when you work together as a team and it all comes together, it was just really a, a wonderful time. So thank you so much for that. As you know, we moved Merry Christmas Gulf Coast to uh, this time of the year because of getting in the new building for Christmas. So let me tell you that we're not going to be in the new building at Malbus for Christmas. Uh, we are going to miss that date, but we will be in there uh, January the 24th, 25th. Uh, we may could have made it, but if I were 30 years younger, I probably would have said, yeah, let's go for it. But I realized that once uh, the contractor's finished, we have a lot of things and things that we have to do on our end. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's okay. I've learned enough that it's okay. It'll, it'll be better, right? I'm not, I'm not feeling anything out of this at all. But we've waited this long, so another month will be good. It's no problem. So we look forward to that. And you'll hear more about that as we get into the new year. Well, this weekend, uh, you're going to uh, be blessed. You're going to hear from my brother, Gary. Gary Taylor, he's been with us many times, and they, he and his wife Penny live here in Baldwin County, and they're going to be ministering to us. So would you welcome uh, my younger brother, Gary Taylor. I'm so glad he took care of that so I wouldn't have to younger brother. Did you get that? What a joy it is to be at bay. I am so blessed. You know, uh, about once a year or so, my brother allows me to come by and spend a weekend here and minister, and I look forward to it every time, and I'm so blessed that he's able to allow me to do that, and so it's a great, great blessing, and I appreciate it so very, very much, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you one thing about your pastor. He's a great visionary, he is a tremendous visionary. He sees into tomorrow. He sees into the future. And that's one of the reasons he is such a great pastor is to continually lead you into greatness. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, I'm so excited about the new sanctuary, but when you get into it, that's not the end. There, there will be more greatness coming because with God, you've always got a tomorrow and he always takes you into greatness. So don't you love your pastor? Don't you appreciate Pastor Jerry and Jerry Taylor? Don't you love them? Penny and I are so glad to be with you. Some of you know that last year I married a Bay woman. 
Well, praise God. And I want you to know I'm so glad to have her. Penny, stand up. If you would, we welcome Penny home. Let her know we're glad to home with you. <clears throat> she is a great ambassador for you guys because everywhere we go, if they hadn't heard about Bay Community Church, they will. And she talks about the way the Lord is using this church and the commitment that you have to the kingdom and the great work you're doing here. And so we're just so thankful to be home this weekend. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the Old Testament, to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 1. And I want you to listen to these words because I'm going to be talking to you about seasons this morning. In Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Solomon in his writing lets us know that everything God created, he created to operate and function by seasons. Everything that is alive functions by seasons. This is how God set up life. This is how God set your life up, and this is how God set my life up to everything, there is a season. Here's what we know about seasons. They're temporary. They don't last forever. They're not permanent. Most of the time, it's about a three-month time frame by which seasons operate in. In your lifetime, every year of your life, you've had four seasons. Every year of your life, you've had a winter, you've had a spring, You've had a summer, and you've had a fall. That's how God set up life. But not only do we know that they're temporary, we also know that seasons have a purpose. Every season was designed with a purpose. Winter has a purpose. Spring has a purpose. Fall, summer has a purpose. Every season has a purpose. Not only are our, our seasons temporary, and not only do they have a purpose, we also know that they bring change. Every season brings change. I don't have to tell you this morning that summer is over. We know there's been a change. We know that from July to November, there has been a change. And you see that change. You see it in the way we dress. We don't dress in November like we did in July because it brings about change. Every season brings a change. Sometimes those changes are wonderful. Sometimes we just enjoy the change. And then to tell you the truth, sometimes change can be painful. Sometimes change can be a challenge. Sometimes change can be difficult. It's a part of the season that sometimes is just difficult. I remember last year when Penny and I were dating, one day we just took off and drove down to Gulf Shores. We got down to Gulf Shores. We just got out of the car and we walked down the beach. And, you know, she was sharing with me about her life, and I was sharing with her about my life. And, you know, and I was just dealing with the stuff of life, and I was talking to her about stuff. And we're walking down the beach, and we just happened to walk by, and there was some paper laying there on the beach. And she said, pick that paper up and just hold it. A little later on, there was some more trash on the beach. She said, pick that up. I picked it up. 
We're talking about stuff of life. And we go down the beach, and it's not long, and I've just got all this trash and paper in my hands. And I'm telling you the truth. As we walk down, some, some child had left a little shovel on the beach. You know, they, they had their bucket and shovel, and there was a shovel there on the beach. Then he says, I want you to pick that shovel up and dig a hole. So I picked it up and dug a hole. She said, now I want you to put all that trash in the hole and cover it up. When I did that, she looked at me, and I'll never forget these words. She said, now tell it goodbye. Tell all that pain, tell all that trash, tell all that disappointment, all of those, that season, tell it goodbye. And I told it goodbye that day, and I learned a lesson. I learned a lesson that sometimes even when life is painful, even when life is difficult, you have to tell it goodbye. Because a lot of times people get stuck in a season. They get stuck in a season and they can't go on to the next season. They can't transfer. They can't translate. They can't go into the next season because maybe they're stuck in that season. So you know what Penny did? Penny found out that day that I dug a hole and told it goodbye, that from that day to this, her and the Lord have been working on me. And Penny went and got her a project. (laughs) Because you see, sometimes there's transitions and it happens with seasons. But here's something else about seasons. Please don't ever forget. Yes, seasons are temporary. Yes, seasons have a purpose and they bring a change. But you understand that there are seasons in our lives so we can be balanced. Seasons produce balance. You you understand that if all I ever had was winter, I wouldn't be balanced. If all I ever had was spring... I wouldn't be balanced. If all I ever knew was summer or fall, my life wouldn't be balanced. So God allows me to have all of these seasons because it produces balance in my life. Now, you know, sometimes you don't know the importance of balance until you don't have it. This past July, I went through a sickness, and I found myself in St. Vincent's Hospital in Birmingham, Alabama, in intensive care for four days. And for the first time that I could ever remember, I had to have somebody help me stand up. I didn't have balance. I had to have somebody help me walk because I didn't have balance. And during that sickness, I found out how important balance is. You see, the reason I'm able to stand here today and preach to you is because of balance. My whole body is balanced on my two feet just like you have it. Balance is a wonderful thing because it enables me to stand. It's a precious thing because it enables me to stand. And standing is so important. When I go to the book of Ephesians chapter 6, you know, that's that chapter where the apostle Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God. He also says something very powerful in that scripture. He uses the word stand four times. He says, stand, stand. When when you've done everything you know to do, you stand. When you've prayed every prayer you know to pray, you stand. When you've quoted every scripture you know to quote, you stand. When you've confessed every promise of the Lord you know to confess, you just stand. 
Do you know what? A lot of times, us Christians, we don't think there's, we, 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 to be honest with you, we're not very impressed with standing. You know, it doesn't look very spiritual. You know, it doesn't, because we equate excitement, enthusiasm, being loud, excitement with that which is spiritual. But did you know that sometimes the greatest thing you can do is just stand? Just stand on the promise of God, stand on His Word, and you just keep standing. Even though some folks may not be very impressed with that, you keep standing because it is your standing that will take you to overcoming. It is your standing that will take you to victory. So I want to encourage you today. If you're here and you've been going through a tough time and you say, I'm standing today, you just keep standing because it is that standing that's going to take you to overcoming and being successful. So you see, we find out that seasons are temporary. Seasons have a purpose. Seasons bring change, and they also allow me to be balanced. When we look at seasons, we see seasons in the natural. I mean, you, we just see it in nature. It's, we, we see seasons in nature because God placed seasons in nature. I love what the Lord told Noah in Genesis eight twenty two. Here's what he said. As long as the earth remains, there will be springtime and harvest. There will be winter and summer. There will be day and night. Here's what he's telling Noah. As long as planet earth exists, you will see seasons in nature. And we see it today. You know, I I tell everywhere I go, I tell people I'm from L.A., lower Alabama, Baldwin County, grew up in Baldwin County my childhood years, and here's what we know about Baldwin County. We know it's about growing, and it's about harvest, and it's about planting, because where I grew up, right across the street was a huge field, and some years they planted potatoes there, and some years they planted corn there, and some years they planted soybeans there. We know that in the ground, There's nature and there are seasons because farmers know that if you plant in the springtime, in summer and fall, you're going to get a harvest. It's just natural. God put it in nature. Why is it that the bear knows when to overeat and then go find him a cave and hibernate? He'll sleep the winter off, and when the winter is over, he wakes up, and he comes out of that cave, and he's pretty hungry. It's just nature. Why is it that the ducks and the geese know when to fly south? Every fall, you will see them. Oftentimes, they fly all the way down to South America, and they will spend the winter much down in South America where it's not cold because they feel about winter like I do. I I just want to avoid it if there's any way possible. But you'll see them flying in their V formation going south. Why is it that the monarch butterfly all over America knows when the fall winter is coming and they fly south to Mexico? Did you know that the Mexican government has a place reserved for them when they fly into Mexico? Thousands of trees that have been reserved, and every year they fly there and they sleep during the winter months. And then when winter is over and spring comes, they wake up, fly back north some 3,000 miles, lay their eggs, and the cycle of life starts all over again. It's all in nature. 
How, how does the ground know when to produce a harvest? How does the flowers know when to bloom? How does the bear know when to wake up and come out of hibernation? How do the geese and the ducks know when to go south? How is it that the monarch butterflies know to go to Mexico? They don't have a calendar. They don't get the weather report. They don't have a GPS. God put it in nature. So we see seasons in nature. But not only do we see seasons in nature, we also see seasons in the spiritual. For instance, when I go to Psalms 1, and I love Psalms 1, my prayer is that every man here today will be a Psalms 1 man. My prayer is that every woman here today will be a Psalms 1 woman. Listen to Psalms 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight shall be in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Now listen to verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bearing fruit in each season without fail, his leaf will not fail, and whatsoever he does, he shall prosper. Man, when you look at Psalms 1, it talks to us about seasons. It even uses the word seasons in verse 3, and it talks about our seasons can be successful no matter where we are or what we're doing. In other words, no matter what season I'm in, I can be fruitful. Why? Because we are like trees planted by the rivers of water. In other words, our nourishment comes from our root system. All that we have comes from our root systems. We're like trees. You know, you know what sustains the part of the tree that you don't see? are the roots. Do you know what makes us successful? It's the part of us that you don't see. It's our roots that go deep and they sustain us and they nourish us. So our success comes from our root system, which is beneath us. In other words, we are successful because what is beneath us, not what is around us. Because what is around us sometimes can be cold. What is around us sometimes can be harsh. What is around us sometimes can be bitter. But we can even be fruitful in bad seasons because of what is beneath us, not what is around us. I'm so glad to tell you that no matter what season you're in, the Lord can bless you in that season. The Lord can bless you in no matter what season you're in because of what's beneath you, not what's around you. You see, when I look at this thing called seasons, you understand that seasons and the word times are in that scripture. For instance, let me go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It talks about seasons, and then it talks about times. But this is not the only scripture I find that. I find it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 1. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 1, the apostle Paul is talking about the coming of the Lord. And in him talking about the coming of the Lord, he uses the word times and he uses the word seasons. 
And you understand that in the original writing, these words are completely different. They have total different meanings. For instance, the word times in the Greek is the word chronos. It's spelled C-H-R-O-N-O-S. And that word means an appointed time. It's an appointed time. When I think about an appointed time, I think about Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, that tells us in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son made of a woman. He's talking about the virgin birth. And really, you can, instead of saying the fullness of time, you could say it like this. At an appointed time, God sent forth his son made of a woman. In other words, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary at an appointed time, at just the right time. Well, when I go to this scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, here's what Paul's saying. When Christ comes again, he's coming at an appointed time. Now, notice what he says. He says, it's going to be like a thief in the night. It's going to be like a thief who comes at night. He's going to come when it's dark. We talk about this appointed time. I like to go to Mark chapter 13, verse 32. And in Mark 13, 32, here's what Jesus said about his, uh, his second coming. He says, no man knows the day nor the hour. The angels don't know. Neither do I know. Only the Father knows. When Christ comes again, it's going to be an appointed time, and only the Father knows. But listen to what Paul says. Paul says, we may not know the day nor the hour, but it's going to be like a thief in the night. It's going to be dark. You can ask any police officer, and they will tell you that most thieves, thefts, and most crimes happen at night when it's dark. In other words, they happen when it's not expected. Jesus is coming back again. It may be a world of darkness and chaos, but we know he's coming again because it's going to take place at an appointed time. That is our blessed hope, that Christ is coming again. And his second coming will be totally different from his first coming. His first coming, he came like a lamb. He was the Lamb of God led to the slaughter, the crucifixion. But the second time he comes, he's coming back like the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming back to set up his kingdom, and we're going to rule and reign with him forever and ever and ever at an appointed time. But let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and look at the other word. It's called seasons. Now, that word seasons, in the Greek, it's kairos. K-A-I-R-O-S, and here's what it means. It means a God-given moment for change. It's a God-given moment for change. Now, notice the first word, times, means an appointed times, and Paul uses the illustration of a thief in the night. But now he talks about a God-given moment for change, and in verse 3, he talks about a woman giving birth to a baby. Because when a woman gives birth to a baby, that is a God-given moment. But notice, this moment was a nine-month process. It didn't just happen. 
Do you know women having babies and going through the nine-month process? I'm not even going to pretend like I know what that's all about. But I've heard enough women talk about, I've heard enough women talk about pregnancy, and they'll talk about things like this. They'll talk about morning sickness. And they'll talk about my back aches. That baby's putting a lot of pressure on my back. I'll hear them talking about my feet are swollen. I can't hardly get my shoes on. They talk about all the process, and then that process leads to labor, and there's a reason they call it labor because it's a lot of work. Here's what they do. They go through that nine-month process, and they go through that labor. But once that doctor or that nurse has taken that life that just came into the world, because, you know, God designed women to bring life into this world. And after all the discomforts of pregnancy and all the pain of labor, once that doctor has placed that baby in that mother's arms and that mother looks into that baby's eyes, she forgets all about the discomforts of pregnancy and she forgets all about the pain of labor because the joy of bringing life into the world far outweighs all that was involved in pregnancy. It's a God-given moment. In other words, sometimes God's given moments, to be honest with you, can come out of pain. Sometimes when all of the pain that was involved, God was bringing you to a God-given moment. And you look back over your life. You look back over all the God-given moments of your life, the day you gave your heart to the Lord, the day you were born again was a God-given moment. The day he filled you with his presence and spirit, that was a God-given moment. The day you met your spouse was a God-given moment. I've already talked to you about having a baby. That's a God-given moment. The day you got that promotion, or the day you got that job, you look, at, you look back at it and you know that was a God-given moment. The day you had a breakthrough or the day you were healed, the day you were set free, you look back at it and it was a God-given moment. That's how God often works in our lives. He often works by an appointed time in his kingdom, but he also works in our lives to bring about God-given moments to change our destiny, to change our future, to change everything. And when he changes us with a God-given moment, he always changes us for the better. And when I think about a God-given moment, I think about in the book of Exodus of Israel, how that they were slaves to Egypt. The Bible teaches us that they were in slavery for 430 years. 430 years, they were in the bondage of Egypt. And the Lord speaks to Moses through a burning bush. And here's what he says. He says, you go tell Pharaoh, he was king of Egypt. You go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Let them go. You see, when I look at that and I turn my imagination on, I kind of associate it with this. God is saying, let my people go because I've got a new season waiting on them. I'm going to take them from the slavery of Egypt all the way to a promised land. I've got a new season waiting on them. And you go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. 
Moses goes and he speaks to Pharaoh. Then you know about the 10 plagues, how that the 10 plagues came. And, and Moses had to continually go back to Pharaoh. Let my people go. Let my people go. And finally, Pharaoh says, get out of here. Go. Go serve your God. Go to your new destination. Go. And notice, notice what happens now when God starts to lead Israel into a new season. Pharaoh resisted it. Here's what you'll find out. You'll find out that new seasons don't always happen instantly. They don't always happen immediately. It's like a woman giving birth to a baby. It's a nine-month process. There are times God does things instantly, but not always. There's times he does things immediately, but not always. And the second thing you'll find out about a new season is this. Oftentimes, when you start towards your new season, you'll find resistance. Just like Pharaoh resisted Moses and Pharaoh resisted Israel leaving Egypt, sometimes when you start heading toward a new destination and a new season, you'll find that resistance. Here's what Jesus said about resistance. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence or resistance but the violent take it by force. In other words, sometimes there is resistance, but we just keep moving forward and moving forward because our persistence can outlast his resistance if we continue to go forward. So notice now Moses has got Israel at the Red Sea, and now, once again, Pharaoh has changed his mind. He's got his military. He's got his horses and chariots, and here they come. And Moses looks back, and he sees Pharaoh's coming, and he looks forward, and he's got a huge body of water in front of him. Notice what God says. God says, tell my people to go forward. Have you ever noticed God can tell you to go forward at the strangest times? God can tell you to go forward at the oddest times. God can tell you to go forward when it looks like an impossibility. God can tell you to go forward when it looks like it's never going to happen. You, you understand for the people of God, there's only one direction and that's forward. God didn't tell Moses to wave a white flag and surrender to Pharaoh. God didn't tell Moses, okay, go back to Egypt, go back to your slavery, go back to your bondage. Because with God's people, there's only one direction, and that's forward. Because God never takes you back to what he set you free from. So notice he says, go forward, and I love what Moses does at this moment. He picks up that rod. That rod was a big stick, but remember what the rod represented. It represented the authority of God. He holds that rod up, and he starts walking into the water. When he starts walking into the water, God starts separating the water. He starts dividing the water. Now, if Moses had entered that water in his authority, nothing would have happened. But he didn't enter that water in his authority. He entered it in God's authority. I've learned that when I try to operate in my authority, I can't get much done. But when I operate in his authority, waters start parting. And here's what God did. He divided that Red Sea 
and his people Israel walked across on dry land. God parted the water for them because he had a new destination for them and he had a new season for them. When they got across, notice what happens. Pharaoh and his people come and they decide they're going to do it too. And when they start crossing, God then brings the water back together. Now, I think it's very important that you remember this, and that is that the same God who separated the water now brings the water back together. He opened the sea, but now he closes the sea. Why did he do that? He did that for two reasons. Number one, he did that to take care of Israel's enemies. Notice now that God has got them going to a new destination and they're walking in his authority. He now fights their enemy for them. I'm so glad to tell you that when you start on your new destiny and you begin your new season, God can even take care of your enemies for you. You don't even have to go to battle with them. But there's a second reason God closed that water, and it is this. If you study Israel in the wilderness, you will see that on many occasions, Israel says to Moses, take us back to Egypt, take us back to Egypt, take us back to Egypt. But Moses couldn't take them back to Egypt, and the reason is the waters had been closed. God closed the waters to take care of the enemy, and God closed the waters so that Israel could never go back to Egypt. In other words, the same God that opened the waters for a purpose closed the water for a purpose. He opened the water so they could get to their new destiny and begin their new season. He closed the waters to take care of the enemy and make sure they could never go back to Egypt. You know, the Bible says this in the book of Revelations. It says this. The Lord says, I am the Lord who can open doors no man can shut. And I am the Lord who can shut doors no man can open. Man, open doors are exciting. When God opens doors for you, God gives you that new promotion. God gives you that new job. God brings a new seat. Oh, it's exciting. But you know what? Sometimes we don't understand closed doors. I'll be honest with you. I've had open doors, and open doors are exciting. But in my life, I've also had closed doors. And for a long time, I didn't understand closed doors. I got frustrated about it. I got all stressed out about it. I, I, I got frustrated and irritated and, God, why? God, why? But you know what I've learned? I've learned that when God closes a door in my life, it's because he has something better for me. He has a purpose for it. So instead of me getting all frustrated and irritated about closed doors, here's what I've learned. I've learned to praise him for the open doors and I've learned to praise him for the closed doors because in order for me to get to my new destination and in order for me to get to my new season, there are going to be open doors and there are going to be closed doors. I need open doors and I need closed doors because God is working it all for my good so that I can get to my new destination. So if you're here today, and this becomes a divine moment for you. And this becomes a moment where the Lord begins opening doors for you. Walk through those doors. 
because it's taken you to your new season. And if you're here today and the Lord has closed doors in your life, go ahead and praise him for it. Because you know what? A closed door just means God's got something better for you. God closed that door so they couldn't go back to Egypt because God had a promised land for them. And why would you ever want to go back to Egypt when God had a promised land waiting on you? So here's the deal. I praise him for the open doors and I praise him for the closed doors because both of them are going to help me get to my new destination and help me get to my new season. It's all about praising him whether they're open or whether they're closed. I want you to do something with me this morning. I want everybody to just stand. Don't leave, just stand. I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to ask you to bow your head just a moment. I want to lead you in prayer. I want to pray with you. I can't sow this word into you and then not give you the opportunity to respond to it. How many here today, and I, I just want to talk to you out of my heart. Just How many here today, you've had some tough seasons You've had some difficult seasons. And you need God to do a God thing, a God moment, and begin to open some doors and close some doors. And you need the Lord to open and close some doors in your life today. Would you just raise your right hand? Just raise your right hand. Man, look at the hands all over this sanctuary. Put your hand down. Everybody repeat after me. Don't mumble this. Don't whisper it. Say it out loud. Lord Jesus, I received the word. Brother Gary sowed in on my life today about seasons. I ask you today, Lord, to open every door that needs to be open and close every door that needs to be closed so that I can get to my new destination and step into my new season. When you open doors, I will praise you. When you close doors, I will praise you. Trusting you because I know you have a new season for me. So today, I'm expecting open doors and closed doors to take me to my new season. Now I want you to raise your hands and just praise him for that new season. Would you do it? Come on, Lord, we just thank you for that new season. Come on, everybody, we just thank you for that new season. We praise you for that new season.